and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Talking Pit. I have an absolute honor having on Coach Marcus Williams at the University of Massachusetts Lowell, which holds a very special place in my heart. It's actually where I got my start in strength and conditioning. So the whole Massachusetts area between my undergrad and then getting into the field, I owe a lot to it. So Coach Marcus, man, appreciate you coming on today. Appreciate it, Coach Young. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really excited about this one, man. We've we've got a little bit of a pass together. We've both worked under a, a great mentor and all that. You're you're at a cool spot. Like again, Lowell, it, like I, I loved it. Like it's it's the reason I'm in strength and conditioning and the reason I think I've stayed in it because I always think back to my time there of what it was like and if I was in a bad spot in a good spot or whatever it was, I just always kept thinking about like, you know what, I, I know what it can be. So let's just try to find that right spot to fill in. But to get us started, do you mind giving our listeners just a little bit of background, like who you are, how'd you get into the field, and how you ended up at the great institution of UMass Lowell? Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to kind of give you a little background of myself, I got my start at, uh, at Quinnipiac University, so a uh, school down in Connecticut working for an individual named Brajesh Patel. Um, that's where I did my first internship. I was as green as green can be. I didn't know a thing about strength and conditioning. And, you know, and I, I reached out to him. I was in my junior year, about to go into my senior year of college, trying to figure out what I wanted to do um, with my life. And I knew I wanted to probably work in sports. I knew I loved working with athletes. I was an athlete in high school, wasn't one in college, unfortunately. Um, so I, I emailed him and I was like, you know, hey, can I, can I have an opportunity to, uh, you know, to shadow or to, to intern? Originally, I got turned down, you know, and, um, you know, but I, I was really adamant trying to reach out to him to see if just had the opportunity to, you know, shadow or just be involved, come once or twice a week. And, you know, after I did that a second time, you know, he, he, he let me, you know, come on. And so I, I interned there for a summer. Um, you know, after that, I realized that, wow, this is, this is something I enjoy. And uh, from there, that's when I, when I went back to my, when I went back to school, which was the University of Pittsburgh, um, that's where I got my, my undergrad. So, you know, H2P got a, a lot of, a lot of love in my heart for the University of Pittsburgh. Um, but I was, did, did an internship, year long internship there under uh, the former director, Kim King. So I got a chance to, you know, work with her, learn from her um, and a few other, you know, individuals on staff. John Shackleton, Adam Gentry, they kind of took me under their wing to kind of teach me the ways of, you know, how they kind of did things there. And then from there, I traveled around to a few different spots. Uh, once I graduated University of Pittsburgh, I got my first uh, paid internship at the University of Detroit Mercy, where um, I worked with a few teams. After some, a short time there, I uh, got an opportunity to work for the Detroit Tigers in their minor league system, where I worked with um, you know, some of their major league guys and minor league guys in spring training. And then I was uh, placed out there with their low A ball club out in uh, Western Michigan. Um, but I really, you know, I really found that my passion was working in college athletics. So, you know, I, I after a year, I left that position and I decided to go back to the University of Detroit Mercy. So I spent a lot of time in Michigan. Um, I, you know, took, took a job there. Um, then oddly enough, I decided that if I ever wanted to really advance in this career and, and really, you know, be a director, I need to get my master's degree. That was something I didn't have. So I took a step back and actually took a GA position at Central Connecticut State University, 
um, after two years there, um, working for Mike Erickson um, and working with an individual named Mike Piper, very smart guy, um, was able to, to not only learn more about strength and conditioning, but also how to lead. I think that's one of the biggest things I learned there, how to, how to really not only be a good coach, but to run a department. Um, and so after that, I was able to go after I graduated, leave to take a job at Franklin Pierce University, where I basically started their strength and conditioning program. When I, when I first got there, they actually had a, oh, they had a, something they called a weight room, but if I, if I, I wish I could show you a picture of it. It was, it was a weight room that literally they didn't even have dumbbells. So, <laughs> you know, and, and it was starting off trying to just get their strength conditioning program off the ground from nothing. Um, was actually, I would say, one of the um, you know proudest moments of my career, just kind of taking everything that I had learned from all these different people. I'm like, all right, now now I got to build something from the ground up and um, you know was able to kind of get them started there. Um, and then after two, two and a half years there, I decided um, I had a great opportunity here at UMass Lowell to um, take the head sports performance coach position where I was working with women's basketball and uh, our women's soccer program. And I've been here for going on year five, actually. Um, and, you know, after uh, our former assistant athletic director, Keith Vincy, passed away, I was able to uh, be promoted up into his role into uh, currently leading our program. And then that's where that's where I'm currently at. Yeah, I think you got there just like a year after I'd left interning and all that because I was at Eastern Michigan. I think you yeah. were still at Franklin Pierce because we yeah. linked up for something, tried to apply for something for you. Um, but it's crazy. Like, again, we, we know each other. We know of each other. We've met. We've spoken. But it's so weird how much our paths have crossed. Like now me being at Pitt, working with track, Coach Webb, our director of track, always talks about Coach Kim always all the time and all that about how she was in the weight room. And I had no idea you did your undergrad at Pitt and spent yeah. time here. So it's, it's a small field. I feel like a lot of coaches, especially younger coaches coming up, don't realize how one coach, one person you're away from pretty much having a network of almost the whole profession. So anyone listening out there, like any internship you're at, man, GA, make the best of a job because you don't know who knows someone who's one stop away from getting you a job, man. But that's awesome. Like I said, it's, it's to me, it's eye-opening because I don't, I don't even know you're at that many places. It's cool to see our pass over crap over cross. For our current role, right, took over for the late, great Keith, man. We're, we're going to dive into him a lot later in this episode because I know for both of us, he was a huge impact on our careers and as, a, as just a person, too, just a great man. But being in that athletic administration role, like you're, you're not just the director of strength and conditioning. You have a seat at that table where decisions are being made, conversations that are being taken apart over the whole athletic department. Like, why is that so important for SNC to have a seat there? And, like, maybe in the last – we'll say like six months, would that be a fair statement of kind of like, what have you seen of like, how has that changed you? Or like, what have you seen of the inner workings where it's like SNC really has a good, a good perspective to add value to that? Yeah, no. And, and that's an awesome question. And so I think it's so important for sports performance and strength and conditioning coaches to have a seat at the table. And I think one thing that's really changed my thought and perspective on it the most was, and I got this from, um, an individual named George Green at Stony Brook. So I did not take this, I did not say this, but it's something that's really resonated with me after talking with him for a few minutes. And he said that the one thing that makes 
strength and conditioning coaches and sports performance coaches different is that the reason that we're good at our job is because we're elite problem solvers. We're elite problem solvers. And it, it really made me, made me think, had to think twice about it when he said that. And I was like, you know what? He's right. He's right because very often in our careers, we've been forced to do so much with very little. So much with very little. And with that being the case, we needed to be creative in methods. We needed to be creative in how we advance our department. And we needed to be very creative with our, how we um, you know, utilized our staffing. And so with that being the case, we really need to look at that as a whole with our athletic department as well. Because very often, especially at my level, we're in the same boat as how we look at um, our athletic department compared to a lot of power five schools, right? Our expectations don't change. We're still trying to win. We're still trying to, you know, make the student athletes experience as great as possible, right? But we need to make sure we're doing that often with a lot less resources and a lot lower budget. So I think very often that's the perspective that as strength coaches, we're able to kind of, um, really provide a, a different perspective than a lot of other people within an athletic department that, you know, when we're trying to figure out, well, how can we make this event happen? Or how can we, um, you know, how can we make this work? Well, we try to relate it back to something that may have, you know, happened in the weight room, or we try to figure out, well, how, how do we um, gain funding to make a, uh, an event happen? Well, what are some, some skills and some thought process that we can take from what we do in our, our everyday, um, you know, roles and responsibilities and how can we translate that over to a bigger, um, you know, a bigger thought process and a bigger, um, you know, situation like an entire athletic department. So I think that's kind of the, the one of the, the biggest things that I've been able to really bring um, a perspective of, of thinking like that to our group. And, you know, I, I've been lucky enough that I've been at a lot of places like, um, that I've seen a lot of athletic departments, what, what has worked and what has not has worked. And I think it's important that as sports performance coaches, we're, we're confident enough that we're able to say, you know, Hey, you know, that's, that's not going to work, you know, or have we ever thought about um, doing something a different way? Because even though we may, you know, very often we get this perspective of being in this thought process that we're meatheads. You know, and I and I told my um, my supervisor the other day during my review that one of my biggest goals for this next year is to really change that stigma and change that thought process. That as sports performance coaches, we can bring a lot more to the table than just teaching people to lift weights. You know, and a lot of it is because we've in the past have been forced to do so much or very little that, you know, we can help solve a lot more problems than just, um, you know, than just the, the ones that people may, you know, pigeonhole us into this one group or one thought process of what we are able to do. No, it's great. Like problem solving. I think I was just talking with one of our interns today. It was like a couple of athletes came up to me and it was like modifications or this and that. And he was like, how'd you do that so quickly? I was like, dude, what? He's like, you just immediately like, went here, went there, we're going to change this, let's add this. And he's like, I was still stuck on like, I don't know what to do with them. So I think we don't give ourselves enough credit with that, especially Franklin Pierce. Was that a D2 or D3 school? I know their hockey is technically D2. D, D2. Again, came from a D3 school prior to coming to Pitt, like having those times where 
you don't have money, you don't have resources. How am I going to do sports science? Okay, let's fire up a Google form. Let's track what we can track and all that. Now, when you get to different levels, you get to different resources, you're able to have those inputs. I think it's, again, it's the hidden gem of strength and conditioning. Yeah, we love lifting weights. We know how to get people strong and powerful, but that problem solving and being confident, I think problem solvers too at the same time. It's not like a, this might not work. It's like this, okay, here's the problem. Here's how it's going to work. Here's why it's going to work. It's, it's a great point. How, what things are you seeing in those meetings or since being in this role that you've then taken to your internal sports performance meetings of talking to your group of like, all right, this is where we need to elevate. Like you talk about bringing more to the table, but like being less, um, less meatheadish, let's say, and doing more. Like, what are you now telling them? Like, Hey, this is the avenue I want to start diving this down. Yeah. And so one thing that I would try to reiterate to my, my staff is making sure we're, we're present in things outside of just outside of just the weight room. Right. We try. And, and, and I'm very lucky enough that we have a pretty decent sized staff here at, uh, at UMass Lowell. We have myself, we have, um, you know, we have three to four other staff members as well as a, a crop of uh, graduate fellows that we're able to um, get from Merrimack college close by. So any given year, we sometimes have six, seven, staff members that are able to kind of kind of work with our athletes. And so with that being the case, I always try to say, make sure we're we're present outside of just the weight room, right? Go out to practices. Make sure you're you're um you're talking with coaches. Make sure you're talking with players. Make sure you're talking with administrators. Like you don't want to be in a situation that even as an intern or as a graduate fellow or anything like that, that your athletic director, your senior administrator or anything like that doesn't know who you are. I would say that's one of the, the best things about Lowell. And I think that's, um, a, that's a hats off to our senior administration that um, they go about making sure that every person within this building, they know who they are, what they do and what they bring to the table. But I also think that that is a big chunk of what you do as a employee yourself, no matter what your position is, you know, are you stepping outside of your comfort zone at times? And like I said, going to make sure you're going to all staff meetings, make sure you're going to um, meetings and things that are on campus, making sure, you know, if there's an, an event and it's not just an athletic related event, are you trying to make a strong effort to be there? Because when it's all said and done, it's not just those individuals in the building that are important to know who you are. You want the chancellor, you want the president, you want the, all those individuals who are, who have some semblance of involvement within athletics to have a, to have an idea of who you are. And that's how you're going to really strongly make a presence. And I think that's one of the first things that I, I wish I did earlier in my career that I value so much more now. And then that I think, um, I was able to kind of learn and gain and working under, you know, coach, coach Vinci here that he was able to prepare me for the position I'm in now. And a lot of it had to do with him opening up those doors, allowing me in those meetings um, and really pushing me to make sure I was doing things outside of just my day-to-day -day weight room responsibilities. Yeah, it's huge. It's so easy for us also to get lost. Like when I was at Lowell, we had Keith, AJ, I think there was, three full-timers and then of course ice hockey there is kind of like football at like your p5 schools where it's its yeah. own entity off to the side and like but having the bigger staff it just it allows you like i know here like i try to always make the all 
are all staff meetings and all and be there. And just, again, like you said, making those connections, having a face, it's not just, oh, there's some guy who trains softball, but it's like, they know who you are. They know what you do outside of that, making the connections at practices and even in games. That's huge that Lowell has been able to grow the department. How many sports per staff member would you say? Are you like almost like a two to one, three to one? So right now um, we have, most of our staff members have two sports. Um, some have three. Um, obviously our, 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 I would say our large sports here are basketball and hockey. So, um, we try to, if you're working with one of those programs, you normally have just one other sport. And then, uh, a lot of times with some of our other programs, we have one of our coaches, he has three, um, but he's able to kind of manage those a little bit, you know, better, um, than some of our coaches who are in those other positions. So we're around two, three per coach. And then we have, like I said, we have a crop of of graduate fellows that we get from Merrimack College each year because um, we have a great relationship with them. They're about 15 minutes um, from us. So they're able to do their actual schooling at Merrimack. And they, um, at our institution, they're doing a lot of their practical work. So they're here working with our athletes, working with our teams, developing. We develop them um, over the course of the year. We've been very lucky with individuals that we've had in those positions that once they're done here, they've been very marketable and very uh, successful in um, finding jobs after they've left. So you know, any, I was, that's why it's kind of, it's kind of fluid. Every, any given year we've had, we've had six staff members and we, or we've had like close to eight to 10 staff. Members. No, that's, <laughs> but, uh, that's great. Again, even the two to three, it just allows time to have going to practice. If you're at like five, six, it really just becomes, then you are that weight room warrior where you're just team after team trying to program. If you're doing any kind of data, inputting data, maybe being with the athletic trainer, and then you're right back down in the weight room. So it, it's great to see the staff over there have grown to where now there's more that the sports performance can do outside of just being in the weight room. As we're diving into, I guess, like staff, growing your staff, being UMass Lowell, like I, I know you're, you're a smaller school, your hockey's your big sport there, it's your big money sport, same as with the basketballs and all that. How have you found between strength and conditioning really like advancing or like have you been – since getting into this role, what creative ways have you gone to like advance besides working with Miramac, getting those fellowship positions? Yeah. So I would say one of the biggest ways that we recently is starting to add more and more technology into what we do. Like when I first got here, all we really did was, and um, I think the only thing we really had was like jump mats, you know, and, it was, <laughs> and those are great. I don't want to like, I don't want to make fun of jump mats or anything like that, but um, you know, it was something that I was like, okay, where is our field going in? Um, you know, where do we need to, to get better at? And I think finding ways of incorporating technology into what we do on our, our every day has been one thing that we've really tried to advance. And it's, and it's been small ways. I think the first thing we did was try to bring in some VBT units, um, to figure out how we can, how we can better utilize those. And I think one thing that we do very well here as a staff is that we're humble enough to try to learn together. You know, um, I have no problem sitting back and, and asking one of our other staff members who might have a lot more experience with something. Hey, let's, wh what do you know about this? So what can you teach me about this? Um, you know, VBT or like recently we just got some uh, uh, force plates from uh, Hawken Dynamics. Um, and even before this, we were in a, in a talk with, a sales rep who was one of our former graduate uh, fellows 
And she was kind of explaining to us about how we can utilize those a little bit better. And so I think the biggest thing was we understand we're on a small budget. And so it's like, you have to really be particular and really be specific about what you're going to, you know, bring into what you do on a daily basis and um, make sure that we're, we're getting up to speed on it as fast as possible. So I would say, when you're talking about trying to be really creative on what you're, you know, what you're doing and, and what you're bringing in, it's, it's, you have to be, figure out what's really important, you know, and you have to, um, you know, make sure you're, you're, you're like working together in order to figure it out um, to get everybody up to speed as fast as possible. Cause you don't want to bring stuff in that's not being utilized. You know, I think that's kind of the, the, one of the tough parts about our field that there's there's so many there's so many different pieces of equipment there's so many metrics there's so many things that you can look at but um you know i really want to make sure that we're we're picking our core core metrics core things that we want to look at core tools and and core uh pieces of equipment that we're going to utilize and really focus on trying to um you know just get better at utilizing as a team so we can make sure that we're advancing as a department. I know when I got here, I think that was one of the biggest things for me, not overwhelming, but coming from, I was at a small FCS school in North Carolina and the D3 school, like our sports science, like I did Google forms and tried to do like a wellness questionnaire. And then when I got here to Pitt, like we have the whole sports science department, we have Dr. Prossel that can ask questions. Like it was kind of like, wow, we, we have timing gates, we have force plates. Like what am I really trying to use? And I will say, I think the force plates and BBT has been the biggest thing I've used with my teams. And I think when you look at here is the biggest bang for your buck. So I think it's so neat that you're like, when I think of how we use it and then smaller budget schools or even people who are just trying to dive into some tech, what's the biggest bang for your buck that everyone's going to be able to use? BBT, force plates, like they're, again, even jump mats, like, yeah, they're old, but like you can still get a lot of good useful information with them and all that. So it's... To me, thinking about like the sports science and thinking about like the tech and all that, it's great to have it. It's great to have the resources. But again, if you're not using it or your staff doesn't know how to use it or implement it with the kids, man, that it, it sometimes is useless and all that. So it sounds awesome that you guys are really just honing in on a couple of things and going through it. Have you seen like big uptakes with like either like any KPIs you're looking at through the force plates or using the VBT or is it just another tool in the chest that's just nice to give a little variety here and there? You know, I think I think one of the biggest things when you talk about, and we're still, I'll be honest, we're still trying to hammer out all of our, you know, what are the indicators we really want to start looking at with our force plates. We've kind of, I think we've only had them for like two weeks, to be honest. <laughs> so we're still at the point that we're like, let's get data first. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get data. Let's get, uh, let's get our athletes utilizing. Let's get our athletes comfortable with it so that we can um, really start figuring out how we can best utilize it. Um, so I think that's where we're at with those force plates. We've been using the, I've been utilizing the BBT a lot with my, my, my athletes in season, especially with one of the teams I work with is basketball. I think it's really created a huge buy-in factor with them. Um, you know, because I always say that basketball, even though it's starting to become a really big thing with lifting and things like that, like, I, I truly think it's really, it's new. It's something that like, now we're it's it's really starting to become something that I would say basketball coaches 
are really seeing the the important the need and um, how it's going to benefit their players. And I think a lot of the players are as well. And so I know my players have really bought into utilizing velocity because before I was telling them, hey, you know, you're going to work at around 75%. You work at 80%, you know, and, you know, they, they'll look at that and be like, oh, that's heavy. Oh, he wants me to go 85% today. And now with VBT, a lot of times I can give them a speed. And if they're crushing the speed, now I can hold them accountable and kind of just go back and say, you know what? You're not, I'm not saying you can do more. You're telling me you can do more, you know? And just even changing that aspect and that mindset, you know, saying that, hey, you know, you're, you're moving in at 0.8, you're moving in at 0.9, our goal is 0.6 to 0.8. Why don't we try to go up 15 pounds? Why don't we try to go up 20 pounds? You're telling me you feel great today, right? Like just kind of flipping that mindset of how you're coaching them, still holding them accountable by, um, you know, by making sure they're still doing the weights and doing the reps and things like that. But making them kind of think like, you know what, he's right. I can do more. I am stronger. I am getting better. And so I, I've been utilizing BBT, especially I would say in season with my guys. And it's helped me also individualize their training a lot more because um, it's a lot easier for me to give our athletes that may have played 30 minutes the night before. Hey, you know, you might be able to go a little bit lighter and the guys who you know didn't play at all. All right. Yeah. You can go a little bit heavier, but you know, I don't necessarily have to, tell them that they can go off that based off how they're feeling and how fast they're moving the bar and how um, the intent that they're, they're putting into each of the training sessions. So I think that is what's really, you know, changed my whole perception of and how, and how my basketball team and my basketball guys have really approached lifting. Um, so, you know, I think that was definitely not, and it, and it was new for me because I took over, you know, I, I took over really training them about halfway through the season last year. And so, I feel like a good chunk of, of that time was really trying to figure out what gets that group to tick. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm a big believer that even though we might have the same expectations and we might have the same goals for all of our, our athletes, what gets that particular athlete to respond is going to be a lot different. You know, I can, I can sit there and I can yell, I can, you know, I can be, get on a a particular guy, but that's not always going to how, how an athlete's going to respond, you know, and you need to figure out what you need to switch in order to get the most out of that particular person. And so I think that's uh, a bit, uh, and also a big part of coaching. Now with Hoopers, have you seen like a decent, like increase in like in season competition in the weight room? Because if you're looking at speed, someone's hitting, someone's not, have you seen like a little bit of like competition drive up? Cause I know when I use VBT in the past, especially my short sprinters here, like sometimes I have to dial them back a little bit because they're chasing that speed, trying to outdo one another. They're competitive. They're competitive people. So have you seen any of that or had to deal with any issues where it's like, okay, guys, we need to actually tone it down a little bit because you're just trying to just grip it and rip it. And then form kind of gets a little shaky just because they're trying to hit those numbers. Oh, it, it's happened a few times. And I, I know even just the other day I was in the weight room with, with them and one of our, one of our small forwards, he had just hit a, a, a new high on a, on a deadlift. And he was feeling great. And then next thing you know, one of our, our really strong guards walks over and, and hits it for like five. And, <laughs> and he was, I think he was doing it to, uh, you know, poke a little fun at him, but uh, you know, it's sometimes you have to, to reel him back a little bit to, <laughs> you know, to, to get him back on focus on what's really important. Um, but yeah, def- that definitely does happen. Um, but, you know, I think, I also think comp- a little competition sometimes in the weight room is not a bad thing. 
you know, you got to make sure they they're staying focused and they're doing the right things. But I, when I, when I saw that, I kind of chuckled a little bit because, you know, he, I know he did it in a way to, you know, poke a little fun of him. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what, at the same time, that's buy-in too. You know, yeah. the fact that he wants to go in there and get after it a little bit and, and move a little weight. And, you know, because the other alternative is he could have just been like, why is that guy lifting that much? Why is he want to, why is he even doing that? No, he's, you know, they're pushing each other. They're poking a little fun at each other. I want the environment in the weight room to be something that the athletes enjoy coming to as well. You know, and I think that's a, a, a big piece. You know, you, you don't want the, the, athlete, the, the weight room to be a place that the athletes hate going to because, you know, they're not going to not going to get anything out of that. You know, just look at us as as strength coaches. The reason why we're doing what we do is because we love being in the weight room. Right. We wouldn't do this if we didn't like doing it. So so we need to also foster an environment that the athletes want to come to as well. And I think um, we drive that, you know, we are the ones who really, you know, make sure that we're we're putting in our athletes in the best situations and we're setting them up to be at a place that they want to be. No, I, I recruits and like first meetings with teams and all that. My first thing is always like, I want this to be the best hour, 45 hour, however long we're in here for, it should be the best part of your day. It should be the highlight of your day. We're working hard. We got certain goals we're trying to achieve, but that doesn't mean it can't be a fun environment. Like lifting's fun. Any, ask anyone, especially strength coaches, like this is fun. Especially when you can add technology pieces in there, you get some DBT, you can, they can visually see progress. They can visually see themselves improving and all that. Like it just, it makes it a great environment. And kind of segueing a little bit on this, and I feel like we're going to spend a lot of time on this. One of the best people that I've ever seen create a fun weight room is your old boss, one of my old mentors, the late, great Keith. Man, tell me, I want to dive into this a little bit because you've spent way more time with him. You've had what, what, four years with him, I guess, working and all that. Yeah, we shared shared an office for four years. Four <laughs> years, and I had got the intern for like a year and a half. It was like two semesters, and then like my first time ever was like a spring semester as an um like an undergrad intern doing credits and all that. So one thing I want to take away from this is like, what was the biggest lesson you learned from Keith that has set you up for success in your current role? Oh, that's a good question. If it's multiple, we can do multiple. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be a single one. The biggest thing I learned from Keith, I mean, like, so and, and, and this is kind of what you were saying, but I think the the biggest thing that I learned from Keith is now in what I do that I need to make sure I'm putting individuals underneath me. I need to make sure that they have a strong understanding of truly how our department works. And I say that because, because I was put in a very difficult situation, you know, I was, I kind of just needed to step up and I don't think I would have been able to do that if Keith didn't give me the knowledge and didn't put me in situations while he was, you know, while he was still here, if he didn't put me in situations that I was going to meetings, if I had relationships with our administrators, if I had um, just even understanding how to how we budgeted and and where this money came from and and dealing with um, sales reps and all these things, if he didn't do that, I don't really know how we would have made it through last year because it's hard to just figure those things out out of nowhere. 
you know? And so now I know that while I'm in this position and I have, I have a lot of young staff members and I have um, individuals that at some point they're going to be in positions of head strength conditioning coaches and um, things like that, that I need to make sure that I'm putting them in situations to be successful and that they have this knowledge. And so what I did um, this year is I made sure we have, we have two main things that we run within our Costello Athletic Center, which is our, our main um, hub for athletics, right? We have the weight room and we have our re- athletic refueling station. And our two main strength coaches, Ryan Smack and Mervin Lumba, I gave each of them kind of one of those responsibilities. So Mervin, he's in charge of everything weight room. He's in charge of budgeting. He's in charge of um, ordering equipment. He's in charge of dealing with, um, you know, the sales reps involved in, in, in purchasing those equipment. He's involved with dealing with facilities, you know, when equipment breaks or something's not working in that area. And not that I'm taking myself away from those things because I still, you know, we share an office. I still have my hand and everything, but I learned, I was like, you know, if I'm not here and he, and someone in our athletic department doesn't know how to do any of this, we are not setting ourselves up for success. You know, and I think that's really one thing that I appreciated Keith that like he wasn't when he was a leader, he was not a, a, a secretive, you know, person at all. He was not someone that, um, you know, didn't allow us to to learn and, and, and be a part of what's actually going on in our athletic department. And, um, you know, like I said, the same thing I, I try to do with 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 Coach Ryan in, in our athletic refueling station, he's in charge of purchasing all the snacks there. He's in charge of, um, you know, dealing with the sales reps in that area. He's in charge of hiring all the work study individuals that work in that area. So I, I need our staff to have a good grasp of, of what's kind of going on in that area. And I think that's something that I definitely learned from Keith. No, I, I can vouch for that. Even my short time as an intern there, and you're talking about an intern where, he might not have even figured if I was going to stay in the profession, make it in the profession. It was just showed up on time, did what I need to, but over my time with them, gave me more responsibilities, gave me those opportunities to coach injured athletes, gave me those opportunities to, hey, here's their next phase of training. Here's what I'm going to do. What would you do? And we sat down, we talked about it. He's like, all right, cool, go coach it. And like, n- n- never coached before. Like, I had no business in front of the baseball team and all that, telling them how to do a glute ham raise and all that. And, uh, again, I, everything you, you just mentioned, like I can definitely see Keith doing that. And like, again, your guys' office isn't big either. You're in one big square and all that. So everyone's working together. Everyone's pitching in and all that. Weight room. It's a it's a place of release. It's a place of, I don't know, stress relief. It could be. I know Keith touched everyone in the athletic department, whether they directly worked with him, didn't work with him. I, just, I know the type of person he was. Having to step up into that leadership position during that time of tragedy, how, how do you keep the weight room going? How do you maintain a leadership role, but also at the same time, allow your staff and yourself that time, the process to grieve, however you want to define that as, but yet also still be there for your student athletes who are also going through that same thing, playing that dual role of taking care of yourself and making sure the athletes are still taken care of at the same time too. Yeah, it was, I mean, we, me and Keith, even while he was sick, we talked constantly, talked constantly on a daily basis. 
And and that was my way of obviously I wanted to make sure, um, you know, I wanted to keep him involved. I want him, I want obviously, you know, his opinion on everything like that. But I was trying to, you know, find also that kind of that happy balance of like, well, I wanted him to know that, hey, we got this and you focus on, you know, get yourself better and get you yourself back here. And so I, I think that was it was it was a very, very, you know challenging time to try to, to, to balance that. Um, but my real thought process through the whole thing was, you know, I was really thinking about our staff and I knew that we need, I knew that I had been in a lot of situations before that I had run a department. I knew kind of what needed to get done. And so my thought process is I just needed to help give them direction to make sure we, we, we stayed on track because I know that's exactly what Keith wanted. And I talked with him and I know that's what he kept telling me. He was like, you know, you know what to do. I don't, he was like, you, you've been, you've been by me this, <laughs> this whole time. So, you know, exactly what, how we run things, where, where we, everything is, who to talk with, what the day-to-day functions are. So my, my goal was to just, I need to make sure I keep this on the track because when it's all said and done, my thought process, that's exactly the best thing that I can do for him right now. Him know that we got this. And I was so proud of our entire staff during that time because everybody stepped up. And and, and it's those weird situations that a lot of times in any profession you might have that when you know when something happens or or change just even happens, you know, and you're asked to do more, not everyone's always so adamant to you know step up and help and that wasn't the case with our with our um our staff you know graduate fellow intern assistant i told i told our our graduate fellows at the time um you know one we we currently moved up into uh, a position here um abigail mansfield another one um ended up taking a position at texas a&m named mariah schiltz but I was very proud of them of how they handled the situation because we asked a lot of them and much more from them than we had from any of our other graduate fellows just with this situation that we needed, we needed Mariah to step up and, and run women's across. And normally our graduate fellow positions are a lot more developmental at first that we try to have to give them time to learn how we actually do things at Lowell before we kind of um, put them in situations to just take teams on their own. Women's Across was one of Keith's teams. And so we needed somebody to kind of step up and take a little bit more of a leadership role. And she did that and crushed it. And and I was very happy and very proud with how they were able to just kind of step up and and knew what needed to get done and and just did it. And I think that also was um, hats off to Keith on how he, how people perceived him because it was a situation that people knew that, you know, you know, he was in a time of need and they stepped up and made sure that they just did what they knew needed to get done. And that was in our department, but even outside of our department, our entire athletic department, everybody stepped up, everybody, um, you know, did what they could in order to help us on a day-to-day, you know, function. I needed to take multiple, both our basketball programs, which we normally try to split them between coaches. And both of our head coaches were very understanding. Our assistant coaches stepped up and helped 
take on a lot of roles and responsibilities that we did normally did in a strength and conditioning sense um, in order to help us really, you know, get through a lot of our day-to-day functions. So it was a, it was really a group effort, you know, helping us get through this year. It wasn't just within our, our strength and conditioning department, but our entire athletic department. That's, that's awesome. I, I love to hear. And especially knowing the type of guy Keith was, I mean, he, he'd give his, he's the shirt off your back type guy. I know it's a cliche saying and all that, but he would do anything under the sun for someone, just a genuinely fantastic human being and awesome coach and all. So I, I love how the whole UMass little community, like kind of, I guess, lack of a better word, like took that same philosophy that he lived his life through and kind of made sure everyone was together. And I can't be happier for you that they promoted you into that position and all that. Someone who same mindset worked under a man who built that program from, I I don't remember if he got there when they went to division one or they've already been division one, but I know he was close to that transition period. And again, just the little bit I see online, us privately talking a couple of times at conferences, like the department has grown immensely since I've been here. And I'm, I'm super excited to see where you take it and how UMass little keeps growing and all that. But before we close it out today, I know you're busy, got a lot of things going on. Um, if anyone's interested in contacting you, getting more in touch with you and all that, any young professionals maybe want to reach out to maybe learn more about how to lead a department or younger coaches making that next jump to a director, is there a best way to reach out to you they can get in contact with? Absolutely. Um, I mean, emails, obviously the the easiest way mm-hmm. to get in contact with me. My emails, Marcus underscore Williams at UML. Dot edu so that's marcus m-a-r-c-u-s william underscore williams at uml.edu definitely shoot me an email we always love to have people come in visit talk um we try to do group staff meetings when we can and, and talk with other you know staff so I would, we definitely would love to do that um but also social media i'm trying to be a little bit more um you know on social media more so that's something that uh you can follow me there. My you know, Instagram is mwilliams underscore sports performance. So uh, trying to start uh, posting a lot more stuff on there. And hopefully I start becoming a little bit better at it because it, it seems like that's where, you know, that's where our field's going. Social media and technology. So I need to get better at it. Where the attention is. You got to attract, attract the kids if you're trying to build those internships and get those fellows in. Yep. Coach Marcus, it's been an absolute honor having you on, man. Like, again, I learned a little bit. Hopefully we can keep keep this relationship building over our time as we, we both got the UMass blood rolling through us. Like I said, if it wasn't for Lowell, I don't know if I would have stayed in the profession as long as I had and truly loved it. And, again, Keith was a big part of that. So excited to see what you do the profession, man. Again, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Like I said, it's really exciting. Um, glad I can do um, – the podcast for my alma mater and you know definitely let's 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 try to do this again let's keep in touch and it was a, it was a pleasure to talk with you absolutely hope you guys all enjoyed the episode we'll begin all that contact information in the show notes and as always hail the pit mm-hmm.